Reverend Jane Holt, a member of the congregation, and uh, I'll be reading the uh, two readings today. Proverbs 3 is the first reading, and the second reading will be John 1, 14 to 18. So starting first with Proverbs 3. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck, write them on the tablet of your heart. Then you will win favor and good name in the sight of God and man. Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all ways acknowledge him and he will make your, your paths straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes. Fear the Lord and shun evil. This will bring health to your body and nourishment to your bones. Honour the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. Then your barns will be filled to overflowing and your vats will brim over with new wine. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves, as a father, the son he delights in. Blessed is the man who finds wisdom and the man who gains understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yields better results than, returns than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand and in her left hand are riches and honour. Her ways are pleasant ways, and all her paths are peace. She is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Those who lay hold of her will be blessed. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the depths were divided, and the clouds let drop the dew. My son, persevere sound judgment and discernment. Do not let them out of your sight. They will be a life for you, an, an, adornment, uh, sorry, an, an adornment to grace your neck. Then you will go on your way in safety and your foot will not stumble. When you li lie down, you will not be afraid. When you lie down, your sleep will be sweet. Have no fear of sudden disaster or of the ruin that overtakes the wicked, for the Lord will be your confidence and will keep your foot from being snared. Do not withhold good from those who deserve it. When it is in your power to act, do not say to your neighbour, come back later, I'll give it tomorrow, when you have it now with you. Do not plot harm against your neighbour who lives trustfully near you. Do not accuse a man for no reason when he has done you no harm. Do not envy a violent man or choose any of his ways, for the Lord detests a perverse man who takes the upright into his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses, blesses the home of the righteous. He mocks proud mockers, but gives grace to the humble. The wise inherit honour, but 
fools he holds up to shame. The next reading uh, is John 1, 14 to 18. The word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only, who came from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testifies concerning him. He cries out, saying, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me has surpassed me because he was before me. From the fullness of his grace we have all received one blessing after another. For the law was given through Moses, grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only, who is at the Father's side, has made him known. Here ends the reading. Thanks, Jane, and uh, good morning, everyone. It's such a privilege to be with you to open up God's Word with you in Proverbs. And I just want to say on a personal note, Proverbs is the biblical book that has helped me grow as a Christian the most, I think, in recent years. And so I really hope it helps you in um, living for God as well. Uh, Now, you may know that Proverbs is written to make you wise, as uh, especially you would have heard in last week's sermon, Uh, But I just wanted to start by going over again what wisdom is exactly, because I think for many of us it can seem like a bit of a a pretty abstract thing. Uh, You know, the classic caricature of the wise is, you know, someone sitting around uh, thinking deep, obscure thoughts and making up deep, obscure ways to say it, but they're usually pretty eccentric and removed from real life. So, you know, being Asian, thinking in my context, someone like Confucius. I actually did uh, Google some of Confucius' real sayings to share with you as examples, but to be honest, I thought they were a little bit boring. And so much more fun were the Confucius say ones. And uh, here are a few of my favourites, and yes, I'm going to put on the accent, because I can. (laughs) Here we go. Confucius say, man who make mistake in lift, wrong on many level. (laughs) Confucius say, a man who want to ask pretty nurse on date must be patient. <laughs> and then uh, one for us Christians. Confucius say, man who pass wind in church, sit in own pew. <laughs> uh, but in the Bible, wisdom is something we all need every day for everything. And so if you remember the definition from last week, wisdom as a general concept, really is understanding how your world works and how to live in it for your joy and success. But if you remember that at the ultimate level, our world and our lives belong to God, then wisdom really is to increasingly live all your life in tune with Him and His ways. And so that's going to involve your perspective, that's how you see life or your head. It's going to involve your practice what you do, your hands, and it's going to involve your passions, how you feel about things, your heart, everything. And in fact, that's what we see in Proverbs chapter 3, which summarizes the book's whole message. And in a nutshell, it says that true wisdom is building your life on God's love and faithfulness alone. True wisdom is building your life on God's love and faithfulness alone. 
that's it. So in many ways, very simple and available to you right now. But also, when you stop and think about it, uh, so complex and challenging that I actually reckon it'll take eternity just to scratch the surface of how wonderful that truth is and how to live it out. So let's turn to Proverbs 3, and we're going to look at it under three headings. Wisdom is living by love and faithfulness, that's verses 1 to 12. Because God made the world in love and faithfulness, that's verses 13 to 20. So we are to give ourselves to others in love and faithfulness, verses 21 to 35. And then we'll uh, draw the threads together and think about how that might apply to us today. So first, wisdom is to uh, live by love and faithfulness, verses 1 to 12. Have a look at verse 1. My son, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commandments in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you peace and prosperity. Now, when it says peace and prosperity, this is not salvation by works or the prosperity gospel, which is basically just follow some rules and God will bless you. Now, this is the classic biblical Old Testament expression for the blessing of life in right relationship to God. Uh, that word peace is actually the key Hebrew word shalom, which is everything as it should be aligned in joyful harmony with God. In fact, it's one of the Old Testament words for salvation. But the key to this shalom and the verse that summarizes everything Proverbs is trying to build into us is verse 3, which we've already raised uh, in our kids' spot. But here it is again. It says, Let love and faithfulness never leave you. Bind them around your neck. Write them on the tablet of your heart. Uh, I remember several years ago dropping off one of my boys, much younger, um, dropping them off very unwillingly at a conference kids' program. Now, let me clarify that. I was willing. He was not. Uh, he was crying and clinging to me so desperately. It was like I almost needed a can opener to get him off me. Uh, but finally, I passed him on to the kids' leader and went. And then uh, when I came back to pick him up several hours later, I, I felt a little bit bad. So I just asked him, hey, mate, did you end up having a good time? And he said, yes, but wasn't that convincing? Now, as we left, he asked me to pick him up again. Um, and as I did, he grabbed my face tight brings me right up close, looks me right in the eyes, and he says, Dad, never leave me again. And then he just does the four-limbed death squeeze <laughs> and just wouldn't let go for ages. And um, to be honest, that's what Proverbs 3.3 reminds me of. There is something that we ought to cling on to desperately with our whole lives, four-limbed death squeeze, and say, never, ever leave me again. And what are they? Love and faithfulness. Now, exactly what are love and faithfulness and why are they so important? Well, let me tackle what they are in the rest of uh, this section and then we'll go on to see why they're so important. So, love. Now, when you come to thinking about love, I think our culture sees love mostly as the emotion of how you feel about someone. Uh, but in the Bible, love does include emotion, how you feel, but it's much more. And so I think a really good definition of love in the Bible is actually a fierce determination to do good to another no matter the cost to you. Okay? Fierce determination to do good to another no matter the cost to you. And that's why the biblical synonyms for love are mercy, that is compassion and forgiveness for those who have wronged you, and grace, that is generosity and forbearance towards the undeserving. 
What about faithfulness? Well, again, I think in our culture, faithfulness is mostly used in the context of sexual fidelity. But in the Bible, it's about your whole character and person. It's a deep personal commitment to be relationally trustworthy. That is, you give your word, you keep your word, so people can depend on you. And so the biblical synonyms for faithfulness are justice, that is, making sure you right any wrongs done to others, particularly if you are the one who did the wrong in the first place, and truth. No deception or duplicity in you, you are a person of utter integrity. And God says in Proverbs 3.3, that is what you want around your neck, in your heart, outer and inner person, filling you and then flowing out in all you do and say. And if you take a moment to think about the people in your life who are like that, who have loved you and been faithful to you in various regards, isn't there just something so right and wonderful about them and about being within their orbit? It doesn't have to be spectacular or obvious. In fact, it's often unheralded and unseen, isn't it? But it's so good. Well, Proverbs 3.3 3 says, Make it your aim in life to be that for others, to love and be faithful to all you meet. But you know as well as I do, to actually live this way is really hard and doesn't come naturally. And so that's why verses 5 to 12 go on to stress that we need to keep looking to God and not our own strength if we're going to do this. And for the Colin Buchanan fans in the room, I'm sure the tune will be bouncing around your head as soon as I start reading these verses. So verse 5, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways submit to him and he will make your path straight. Do not be wise in your own eyes, fear the Lord and shun evil. Uh, jump down to verse 11. My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline and do not resent his rebuke because the Lord disciplines those he loves as a father, the son he delights in. Now, why does it make such a big deal about trusting God, not yourself, don't resent God's rebuke, etc.? I think it's because we're sinful. And our sin just keeps getting in the way and mucking things up. Uh, Martin Luther called this sin's inward curve which I think is a great description of what sin does. Because what sin constantly tries to do is to take our drives and energy and turn them not outwards towards others, but inwards towards me. So that my fierce determination isn't to do good to others no matter the cost to me, but rather do good to me no matter the cost to the others. And rather than my word being a solid bond that holds others up faithfully, it becomes a selfish, manipulative tool where I use others to elevate myself. And uh, uh, as I've been reflecting on um, how this is real for me, I've noticed in myself, uh, this happens when I'm especially stressed and feel overloaded, uh, I tend to start using my words quite impatiently and expediently. And so I make promises I don't really take seriously, I'm just using it to get people off my back and in the moment, it seems like such a small thing and so easy to justify. But when you stop and think how damaging failure to be faithful is to relationships and families, uh, some of us will know how destructive it is very personally. You see that just keeping your word is a critically powerful thing, isn't it? 
And so Proverbs 3 says we need to keep fighting that inward selfish turn and keep wrestling our hearts to keep them turned outwards towards God and others. And so I wonder if there is a a particular area in your life where you realise that, yes, you have actually started to turn inwards on yourself. I want to challenge you. Why don't you even write it down? Make a note of it on your device or something like that so that you can be intentional in taking up the challenge to let love and faithfulness never leave you. So love, mercy, grace, faithfulness, justice, truth. Which of them do you need to work on right now? Now, verses 13 to 20 then go on to explain why love and faithfulness are so foundational for our life and character, and it's simply because they are foundational for God's own life and character, as God made the world to revolve around his love and faithfulness, verses 13 to 20. So the terms love and faithfulness actually come from Exodus chapter 34 which is a key Old Testament moment where God proclaims his name to Moses and expresses his character, who he is at his court. And this is what he says. Uh, He passes by Moses and he says, The Lord, the Lord, that's his name, the compassionate and gracious God, slow to anger and abounding in love and faithfulness. But what Proverbs 3, 13 to 20 add to that is that as creator... He has stitched his own character into the very way his world is made and operates. Verse 13. Blessed are those who find wisdom, those who gain understanding, for she is more profitable than silver and yield better return than gold. She is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Long life is in her right hand. In her left hand are riches and honour. Her ways are pleasant ways and all her paths are peace. And that's shalom again. And then notice the echoes of creation accounts like Genesis chapter 1. She is a tree of life to those who take hold of her. Those who hold her fast will be blessed. By wisdom, the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the watery depths were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. So again, basically what these verses say is if wisdom is understanding how your world works and how to live in it for your joy then it's the person who lives in tune and response to the love and faithfulness of the God who made them, who ultimately finds blessing and joy. Uh, The American theologian Jonathan Edwards once illustrated it like this. He said, think of God like the sun and the world like a mirror. And so God makes the world not because he needs it, but because he wants to pour his love and faithfulness, his goodness into it, and fill us generously with his glory and joy. But the process doesn't stop there because creation is meant to receive God's love and faithfulness, be filled by it, and then reflect it around us so that the world is filled with God's good gifts and return it to him as we live lives of thanks and praise. So that there is this glorious growing rebound of love and faithfulness between God and us and us back to God. And that's how we are made to work. But the point I want to draw from these verses is that you need to get the order right in your minds and in your hearts. That is, 
we need to start with receiving and being filled by God's love first before we ever try and reflect and return. Otherwise, you fall into legalism. That is, thinking I've got to do things for God before he will love and bless me. Or you fall into martyrdom. That is, because I have done so much for him, because I've been so long-suffering, I deserve recognition and reward from him, otherwise he's letting me down. But Proverbs and the Gospel of Jesus tell us that's just not how it works. Right? No, we're loved and saved by God before we can ever properly love and serve him in return. The order really matters. I once uh, heard about someone who tried to fix their car engine and he planned it all out, but in a forgetful moment, he got one vital step out of order. So he jacked the car up, drained the oil, removed his oil filter and replaced it with a new one. Then he started the engine to test it and reached for the new bottle of oil. But then this horrendous grinding noise comes from the engine and smoke starts pouring out. It's a disaster. And he said, at that moment, it struck me that sometimes the order things come in really does matter. Right? Oil needs to go in first before you turn on the engine. You get it in the wrong order. Everything grinds to a halt. True for engines, also true for your soul. And here's the challenge. Is that you? Are things grinding in your life, things grinding in your relationship with God because you're trying to do first and think you're entitled to receive? I think that's all of us sometimes, isn't it? And one helpful way I've found to counteract that is to try and deliberately make a practice of remembering to enjoy God's goodness to me. Uh, most of all in Jesus, of course, but also in every experience of joy and delight that he gives us. So C.S. Lewis wrote about this. Uh, he said, I've tried to make every pleasure into a channel of adoration of God the giver. And then a little bit later he says, this sweet air, by which he means those experiences of delight that God gives us, uh, this sweet air whispers of the country from whence it blows. I think it's quite beautiful and very helpful. So, you know, think of an activity that you just love doing or a friend that you love spending time with, uh, food that's just delicious. For me, it's things like going fishing or playing footy or basketball, uh, just watching my, grows, my, my boys grow. Uh, those are the things that really give me pleasure. So what is it for you? Would you take a second and pick a moment of joy that you had from last week? Uh, just relive it for a moment and then think, isn't it amazing? God just wanted me to have that because he loves me. I want you to make that a habit. When pleasure comes, just stop, take a moment to thank and praise the God who gave it to you and remind yourself how good it is living under him. I find that so helpful in keeping my engagement with God fresh and being energized to serve him, to think, receive first, remember that, and then reflect and return and that's true wisdom and joy living in line with the way that God has made us to operate and we actually need to keep on remembering that because God does want us to give our life in service of others the way he has given himself in service for us and that's what we see in verses 21 to 35 we see this fleshed out in real life 
So just very quickly to give you an overview, verses 21 to 26 emphasise the confidence and security that we have from knowing God's love. And then verses 27 to 35 spell out our life in response. So uh, verse 27, let's look at that one. Do not withhold good from those to whom it is due when it is in your power to act. Do not say to a neighbour, come back tomorrow and I'll give it to you when you already have it with you. Do not plot harm against your neighbour who lives trustfully near you. Do not accuse anyone for no reason when they have done you no harm. Do not envy the violent or choose any of their ways, for the Lord detests the perverse, but takes the upright into his confidence. The Lord's curse is on the house of the wicked, but he blesses the home of the righteous. He mocks proud mockers, but shows favour to the humble and oppressed. The wise inherit honour, but fools get only shame. Right, so basically, don't withhold your hand of good if it's in your power to give to others, verses 27 to 28. And don't extend your hand in evil to grasp from others, verses 29 to 31. And that's because, verses 32 to 35, God will honour those who live by his love and faithfulness, even if you suffer at the hands of the evil now. And again, at one level, so simple, but so hard to live out. Uh, I caught up with a friend who's also a minister, um, and his last five years have been a nightmare. Um, so he left, I guess, home and family to set up a church in quite a tough area, and it grew really well initially, so he put on staff and things seemed to be going great. Uh, but then one by one, his staff turned on him. And so one quietly recruited people from the congregation and then told my friend he was planning a church and taking them with him the week they left. Another two staff had a relational breakdown, both refused to reconcile, both refused to leave. He had to mediate the situation and eventually had to ask one of them to finish up and leave. Uh, that person went and slandered him to the congregation and then the staff member who stayed also behaved poorly and made life even more difficult um, in the aftermath. And then the mainstream liberal church uh, deliberately planted a congregation across the street to which disgruntled members defected. Now, that's my friend's particular experience as a minister, uh, but I just raise it because I'm sure you can think of situations where you have been treated awfully like that. And in that context, it is so hard, isn't it, to keep extending your hand to do good to others or withhold it from returning evil for evil, isn't it? Um, I actually had a, a personal moment of this uh, recently. I had a situation um, where, where I, I felt I was very, very unjustly treated. It was quite hurtful. And um, it was a little while ago, so I thought I'd processed it all right and forgiven everybody involved and moved on. Um, and then I just happened to pass on the street someone who's only very loosely related to the situation, and they just tossed in a flippant comment. And in one moment, all the emotion and all the grief and all the anger just surged up in me again, and it was everything I could do not to just lash out and let them have it. You ever felt like that? really hard, isn't it? And that's ultimately why we need this wisdom that Proverbs 3 offers us. 
that above, beyond, and over all the evil and injustice that we suffer in this fallen world is the God of love and faithfulness, whose world this still is. And we need to know, verse 34, he will mock the proud mockers, but show grace to the humble and oppressed. He will ensure the wise inherit honour, but fools are only held up to shame. And if you needed any more assurance of this, well, we just need to fast forward a little bit from the book of Proverbs to look at the Lord Jesus. His life of wisdom and especially his death and resurrection for us. Because in the cross is where you see the ultimate demonstration of both love as God generously and mercifully forgives us our sins and faithfulness as God justly and fully pays the penalty for our rebellion against him. So read with me again our New Testament reading in John 1.14 and see how it works there. See the wisdom of Proverbs enfleshed in Jesus. Uh, John 1.14, the word became flesh and made his dwelling among us. We have seen his glory, the glory of the one and only son who came from the father, full of grace and truth, full of love and faithfulness. See, in the end, the wisdom of Proverbs 3 is actually the foundation of the gospel of Jesus himself, which the whole world, you and I, were made for and are saved by. Isn't that wonderful? So living by God's wisdom, we're going to have a great time delving into Proverbs. It shines a spotlight of God's wisdom on every aspect of life you can imagine, and probably some we haven't even thought about. But Proverbs 3 in particular gives us the simple guts of it all. And it says, you are wise if at the end of the day people can say of you, they are a man, they are a woman of great love and faithfulness because they know a God of great love and faithfulness. So brothers and sisters, I want to challenge you this week to make every moment an opportunity for a vehicle to be a vehicle and instrument of God's love and faithfulness. Your head, your heart, your hands, your perspective, your passions, your practice. What might that involve for you? How is God challenging you? What specific concrete area is God challenging you to grow in wisdom from his word today? Let me finish by praying the words of Proverbs 3, 1 to 4 for us. And as I do, I want you to choose and just lock on to one aspect of God's love and faithfulness that you are going to commit to fostering in your life. So let's pray. Uh, dear Father, help us not to forget your teaching, but to keep your commands in our hearts so that they prolong our lives many years and bring us peace and prosperity in you. Please let love and faithfulness never leave us. And here I want you to think of that one thing that you want to foster. Please help us to bind that around our necks, write it on the tablets of our hearts, so that we find favour and a good name in your sight and the sight of those around us. 
And we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.